Welcome to the Proclaim Podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. I think, Peter, in what you're sharing, like it's inspiring me again. You know, you're sharing about some awesome stories about what God is doing in the church. And I think this is really important at this time where we are in the church to remember that God is still at work and the Holy Spirit is still moving because, you know, a year ago when the scandals broke, I think it really has affected uh, a lot of Catholics, a lot of faithful Catholics in just not being able to see where the Holy Spirit is moving. And it really has affected the hope that I think a lot of people have and trust in the church. And so I would just love to hear, like, how do we at this point at where we are in the church really proclaim the gospel in a way that people can access it and understand it in the midst of horrible scandals and things that are happening in the church yeah that's uh yeah we are we are living in a just a really unique and challenging time yeah and it, um and it's all as saint john paul ii said it's all within the hands of divine providence and what what do i what do i mean by that you know the um I, I was just sharing this on Saturday. Uh, the Lord, the Lord has kind of prepared us for this through the voice of the prophets that He sent our way. John Paul II. Now we're entering the final confrontation between the gospel, and the anti-gospel, the church, and the anti-church, and all God's people are now called to enter into this conflict. Another point He said when people asked Him, "What what does the future of the church look like for you?" He said, "What it's what it looks like." He said, "Is we're about to, we're entering into a time of great trial." It's not a trial we can escape on our own. Our prayer can mitigate it a little bit, but there's a time of purification coming for the church. And he said, some of us may have to shed our blood. And one year later, he was shot, you know, mm-hmm. and he was shot. And, and so, and here's a man who was so filled with hope and was the, was the new evangelization thing. So uh, what I, I find it helpful to help at least believers who were, were trying to motivate to try to share the gospel and they're hurting and they're devastated and they're confused about what is going on. You know, I don't want to hear another story. I'm tired of it. You know, it's, it's embarrassing. It's shameful. It makes me mad. I don't get it. You know, that kind of thing. So um, what I, what I, what I truly believe is happening is that uh, the church has entered a time of great discipline that's on her. Like, like Hebrews chapter 12, the father disciplines those whom he Mm -hmm. loves. Mm-hmm. And for the purpose of purification, and when the discipline comes, it's painful. It doesn't mean everybody in the church needs the discipline. I don't mean that. But there are pla- that there's been unfaithfulness, there has been compromise, there has been lukewarmness, and the rest of it. And the Lord is coming to purify it. In 2016, I was in Uganda doing a priest retreat. And on Thursday of that week, I just was having a lot of spiritual battle when I was there and struggle. But I went to at Mass with all the priests that morning. I came back from communion. I was sitting down and I was just very peaceful. And I felt the presence of the Lord. And, and all of a sudden I felt, since the Lord say, Peter, pick up your journal. I didn't hear anything out loud, but it was a prompt thing. So I grabbed my journal and took my pen. I thought he was going to say, hey, I kind of like you or something like that. <laughs> I still like you or whatever, you know. Uh, but the fear of the Lord came on me. And I sensed the Lord say, my discipline is about to come on my church. And I wrote it down just like that. And you're going to see rage, apostasy, uh, um, and um, chaos, confusion. And um, I am the Lord. Hmm. And I felt like he looked me in the eye and he said, I'm the captain of the armies of heaven. Hmm. I need you to stay focused on what I've commanded you to do. 
You know, I want you to stay in your lane. Trust me, this is all in my hands, but I need you not to get distracted, but to stay focused on what I'm calling you to do. I see the whole battlefield. You don't, you know, and, and, uh, and so it, it was a really important word for me, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I felt like he said to me that even at the highest levels of the church, there was going to be a shaking that was going to happen and that he was going to break some spiritual strongholds that was binding the church and that, that he alone could deal with and he was going to do it. And he's doing it for the sake of the salvation of the world. The church is in the place of tremendous compromise and confusion in many places. And she's not radiating hmm. a passionate, radical love of God. She's not living it in a kind of with a with a kind of attractive fire and a grace. And she's not passionate about seeking those who don't know him. She's falling into a lot of worldliness and confusion. And so it's something the Lord alone can do. And I was thinking of a a line from Cardinal Ratzinger, he said at one point, he said, you know, in the history of the church, it's the story of the, of the few who live for the many and the many who live from the few. Hmm. Hmm. That there's always been renewal movements, apostolic movements, works of the Holy Spirit, and it's never en masse. It's never across the board. It's places and pockets and people and what's unique about the thing we're involved in right now, you guys, is that, as John Paul said, the hour of the lady has struck. Mm. And that the Spirit of God is being poured out on lay people in power in many different places, but in pockets, not all the way across the board. And so he's commissioned us, he's placed us, and he's sending us. And he's saying, and I hear, I sense him saying, you stay in your lane, you do what I'm calling you to do, and I'm going to bear fruit through you. Mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. So I think the the... For me, that's just an operational optic that's very helpful for me because mm. I really do believe it's in his hands mm. for sure. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't fully answer your question, but I could say it helps me uh, in communicating with people, uh, in sharing the gospel, like whether they're, they're people who've been in the church that are leaving. And so I will add, you know, I'll have the conversations just to help me understand, help me understand how you feel. Help me understand, you know, let people say, let people get out what they're feeling and be able to affirm it mm-hmm. and to say, yeah, it is. It's outrageous what's happened. Yeah. And it's, you know, and to be able to uh, let them name it and to affirm it and then say, OK, but help me understand why that causes you to leave Jesus. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you going to go? I'm not just saying to friends like, seriously, where are you going to go? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? You know, and and. I, and they'd say, well, why are you staying? Why do you keep doing the work you do? I, I'm doing the work I'm doing because Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And and I'm not surprised that the, the, the church acts worldly or the church is sinful. And I'm not leaving Jesus because of Judas, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, that, that, and, and so to try to get people to talk but then to share our personal experience about how we're dealing with the crisis. So it doesn't look like if we're just messaging mm-hmm. that we're kind of out of touch with it, you know? Mm-hmm that you're in this unreal bubble. And I just don't get you, man, you know, because, because this is even for people who are radically fired up, you know, people, holy priests, this is a time of tremendous pain mm-hmm. and difficulty and shame. And so that's, that, that to me is the only way I know how to um, communicate with people uh, by identifying with the reality of what they're experiencing and that I'm experiencing in a different mm-hmm. way. And then to just describe personally how it is that I'm I'm coping and living and even in even thriving in this situation yeah. in the Lord and yeah. the work He's called us to do, yeah. you know. And I think for many people, 
you know, it, it, for, for, for me personally, it has the, the scandals and all of the things that we're hearing constantly. I mean, we are hearing things in real time, always, you know, these negative things yeah. that are happening, devastating things all over the world, but yeah. it's caused a stripping away. You know, like you said, it's brought it all back to the heart. It's about Jesus. And where, where do I stand in my relationship with Jesus? Because we can yeah. get upset at priests and other people, many, many, many people who have fallen short of the way that they should be living. And, and yes, I pray that God is a just God. And, and I trust that he will, you know, mm. bring his justice where it needs to be brought. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like I can't change those things, but I can change the things within me. And it's brought me to a place of really reflecting on my own personal holiness, because I think we've assumed that people have been, you know, devoted to Jesus where maybe they're, they're not clearly they're not. Um, but I've had to look back at myself and go, where am I doing that? You know, where I I can't put myself above that or like, where, where have I compromised? You know, where have I not fully submitted under the Lordship of Jesus and how do I need to grow in deeper closeness with him so that I can witness, you know, to who he really is. That's so good. And so I'm so glad you said that. I mean, I think that's right on. I mean, the uh, one of the ways I think about it, too, is what I really believe we're living in is a Psalm 2 crisis. Mm. You know, Psalm 2 is the kings of the earth are setting themselves against the Lord and his anointed. Mm. Let's throw off. Let's throw off the chains of God. You know, the, uh, let's declare our freedom. And the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. And he says, I have put my king on Zion, my holy hill. And there's a way in which, uh, I mean, this is really happening. I mean, the, the, the kings of the earth have thrown off Christianity for the most part, many of them. They've thrown off uh, uh, what, what they've thrown off Christendom, basically. Mm. And now there's a whole new grand narrative and story that's in the culture. And the church, they see the church now as a source of hateful or bigoted or narrow or harmful beliefs. And uh, some of what, I mean, they, the church certainly can be criticized, mm-hmm. but the things that they're really raging against the church can never change. Hmm. And they're raging against the king. They're raging against, they don't know it. I'm, they're not all getting together and saying, but, but they're, they're, they're being seduced by the enemy to believe the lie that in order to be free, they've got to be in charge of it all and declare the meaning of life, the human identity, re- reconstruct everything hmm. at, on, our, on our power. And that's the fear of death that's at work in them. It's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. The devil's strategy is to enslave the human race through the fear of death. And a kind of darkening of the mind happens. And so Pope Benedict said, you know, that in vast areas of the world, the faith is in danger of dying out like a flame which no longer has fuel because humanity is pushing God from the human horizon. So that's happening in the context that we're in. And then, uh, so Psalm 2, that I think of a Joel 2 response mm. in a moment like this is where... Uh, you know, Joel calls Israel back again and again to repentance, mm-hmm. to solemn assemblies of worship and love and, and redoubling their their dedication to the Lord. And at the end of Psalm 2, Joel 2 is the very passage that Peter describes in Acts 2 mm-hmm. when he stands up that day and says, God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. So in this situation, what we're experiencing is what God wants us to do is repent. And, and you said it, all of us, even if we're not responsible for the big stuff, it's an important time to examine where am I in relationship to the Lord? So even a person who's saying, I'm so angry and so sick of these people, I'm getting out of here. Hmm. And so you ask the question, what does that mean for your relationship with Jesus? What does that mean for your eternal life and your salvation? And do you know what you're walking away from? Hmm. You know, 
And what are you walking to? Where are you going? Hmm. And I'd say, they said, well, I feel like that's all they can do. I said, look, for me, I'm going to do what, what, uh, you know, Paul said, I want to make it my aim to please the Lord. That's it. In the midst of this, I just want to know what action, hmm. what response is going to please the Lord. And I know he's looking to discipline his bride to purify her because he loves her. Hmm. You no, know? because he loves her. And so I want to be able to embrace that in my own life. And just as Heather was saying, to be able to uh, repent myself and say, Lord, align my heart more fully with you right now. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. But I know that you said you're the light of the world, and he who follows you will not walk in darkness, but will walk in the light of life. And I want to stay in the light of life, and I want to stay with you, and I want to hold on to you now. Mm. So that's that's what I try to say to people that I know and love and who are making these decisions, you know? It's a painful experience when any of us, you know, have put something on a pedestal and, and have it fall down, you know, so whether we've put the church on a pedestal or people within the church on a pedestal, bishops, priests, other lay people, mm-hmm. people that we've looked up to, and they've all fallen off the pedestal. But what yeah. I hear you saying in there is that God is still on the throne. He's still the king and he hasn't yeah. left his people. And I would love to just hear you talk about that a little bit more, because I think for people who are struggling with hope and yeah. uh, this has caused them to feel very disoriented, mm-hmm. a place yeah. that we need to reorient ourselves is that God is God, that he is the most powerful one. The enemy has nothing on him uh, and yeah. he is the king. So I'd just love to hear you speak. Mm-hmm. About no, I, it's absolutely true. It's not like. I mean, G- Jesus is uh, absolutely sort of unopposable and indestructible. He's the Lord of all. And the devil's a real enemy. And despite what, you know, the head of the Jesuits said, that he's just a symbolic, mm. symbolic expression, the devil's a real being. But he's not an equal being to the Lord. The Lord's defeated him. He's disarmed him. He's made a public show of him. Uh, but we know that, as the Catechism tells us, that the church goes forward in this last period of human history, this, the Catechism just quoting scripture says we're in the last hour between the two comings of Jesus. He came in, in mercy the first time. And this, the church exists to extend the mercy in the world for salvation, but he's coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And what characterizes this time, the catechism says is number one, it's the time of the spirit and of witness. It's a time of the Holy when the Holy spirit comes on human flesh, the King's reign, the Lordship of Jesus, where he entered into the presence of God, the father took human flesh, which was, couldn't reach glory, is now in glory. And from that position of his total authority and victory, he's pouring out his spirit into the earth. Hmm. And that, and the church is born of that miracle. She lives by the spirit in order to witness. So the catechism literally says, the Lord tells us this time is the time of the spirit and of witness. Hmm. And you can't have witness without the spirit. Hmm. You can't do it, right? And if you have the spirit, you're going to witness, right? Because the spirit moves us and empowers us and gives us a revelation of the glory and majesty of Jesus. The, the, the primary, the first mission of the spirit is to reveal to every human heart, the lordship and majesty of Jesus mm. with, with a convicting love of the reality of who he is such like Paul and the apostles had like, okay, bring it on. Nothing can harm me. It's a fact, you know, you can take my life, but life's short anyway. And I know where I'm going and the King has a hold of me. And I'm not surprised that we're in the midst of mortal combat because mm. the next thing in the same paragraph, the catechism said, but the trial against evil will continue until the Lord comes again. So we're in a trial against evil. And many of the baptized have been drawn into the world, have become worldly, right? 
and in a way that we've been seduced by the world. And so there's all kinds of effects. Well, the king is coming to purify that. He's coming to call us and he's, he's dividing and separating too, you know? So um, you're right. I think when the church, one of the things that's getting, it's getting manifested in this hour in the church is how few people seem to have a living vital conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm. Jesus is Lord of all. And he's Lord of my life. He's Lord of our life in a parish. Could you imagine in a parish, if we just reminded ourselves and we stood up and he said, let's all say it together. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's my Lord. He's your Lord. He's our Lord. He's the Lord of all. Mm. And human history is in his hands. And we also know from the scripture that before he comes back, the most, the most intense spiritual combat in human history is going to happen before he comes back. Mm. And it's a moment of super great opportunity for us, yeah. you know, yeah. instead of something to be fearful of. Yeah. As we've been talking about this, the, the image I can't shake is the image of your dad the night that he sat down on that couch, sitting beside you, tear coming down, because he literally reached that point of, uh, it's, this is beyond me. You know, and, and yeah. we hear that with eyes of faith, understanding what conversion rep- repentance really is. And it's like, that's my prayer as a, as a disciple, as a member of the church, I'm not going anywhere. I, I know where the, where life is and I'm as upset and frustrated and angry as the next guy. Um, but my prayer is that this would be an authentic embrace of repentance, that all the places that darkness has come in has been a place where we shut the Lord of life out. You know, the human yeah. system side of it is just so clear. And, you know, as someone who's in the working every day in the institutional church, I see that separation all over the place or the temptation to separate kind of the, the human system from, you know, the spiritual nature and Jesus yeah. himself and the gospel. And it's like, no, these things are never separated. You know, they never are. So I, I pray that this continues, that the cut goes deep, that there is a massive corporate, huge repentance for all the ways mm-hmm. that we have pushed Jesus outside because it's his church fundamentally, mm-hmm. you know. And I think the, the, the beatitude, I was driving to TV production the other day mm-hmm. and I happened to be listening to this song, um, Is There Anyone Worthy? And uh, uh, it just... Mm-hmm. Uh, pierced my heart. And I, and I was thinking of the beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, mm. you know, it's, it's right and good for us to mourn the brokenness of the body of Christ. And, and to, and I, I had to almost pull over. Mm. I was, I was weeping so hard yeah. in my car. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for not having given you more of my life. I'm so sorry that people are forgetting you. I'm so sorry of the compromise of the church. I'm so sorry of the people that have been wounded and hurt. I'm so sorry for the scandal, you know? And he wants us to feel his heart in that whole thing too, you know? And so blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted, you know? And I think um, there, there is... I just, it's crazy. I mean, so the Lord's in charge of all this. I really truly believe it. It's not just an escapism or, you know, some denial that's going on. I, I feel, I feel as alive in the Lord as I ever have in my life. Mm. And even in the midst of these tears, even in the midst of discouragement and sadness at times that come. And, uh, and I, I see the power of God moving in people's lives, you know? Yeah. And so it's both end right now. When the purification comes, it's purifying. Yeah. No, yeah. the Hebrews 12 says it when it comes, it's painful. Mm-hmm. You know? 
but it leads to the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Yeah. It's love. It's purifying love. And, and you know, the Lord's the Lord is, is really going after the bishops on this level, I think, you know, the leaders of the church. Mm. And, um, yeah, mm. he wants to purify them, too, just like he wants to purify me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like... Uh, you know, the, the light is being overcome by the darkness. And we know that the scripture, the truth is that the light shines yeah. in the darkness right. and the darkness is not overcome right. it. So like, how yeah. do we, what, how do we be a light in the darkness? Like a real light, like an authentic light, not just, you mm. know, coming up with charming things to say, but really be an authentic light in the darkness. And also where are you seeing that in the church mm. right now? Where is it working? I think, um, you know, being an authentic light is, is our, you know, first individually where we have powers to, is to make sure we're living in the light, mm-hmm. you know, individually, that our lives are in the light uh, with the people they need to be in the light with, uh, and that um, we continue to feed ourselves with the Lord. I mean, I think we've, we're trying here at home for the places to double down to spend more time with the Lord mm-hmm. and not get anxious and busier, mm-hmm. but to actually say, Lord, this is so hard right now. And, and, you know, in some ways, you're right. We can't do anything without you. We can't. We don't have any power to make anything happen. You know? And uh, we sort of get paid to make something happen. <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And and we have to be able to have more of him. Mm. And we have to be able to, to be in his presence before the Blessed Sacrament more and in prayer and say, Lord, I, I recognize I'm under your awesome hand right now of what you're permitting to happen. This is really awesome. And it's not just me, a matter of me reaching my, you know, my goals for the year or this, that, or the other thing. There's something awesome spiritually happening. And I want to be aligned with you, Lord. I want to, I want to follow your leadership now. And and I have to get manna from you more every day. Maybe I was riding a little bit on cruise control to the plan that I thought I had and plugging in the plan and making the plan work. Guess what? That doesn't work so well right now. But you know what does? An anointed word, an anointed living with the Lord and being on a day-to-day basis, just taking the manna he gives you. It's poverty of spirit. I mean, it's again right on the Beatitudes. It's brokenness. It's honesty. It's uh, it's all that kind of stuff. Walking in greater humility. Um I mean, that's part of the light that he's after mm. and a childlike dependence on him. And the church is full of pompous sophistication, you know, in different ways. You know, it's part of who we are from having been a giant institution. Yeah. I mean, what the, I mean, Christendom was astounding. It was an astounding miracle in reality. But it's collapsing now. The Lord has to take it away mm. because we find our identity in it. Mm. We find our identity in our power in the world. Mm and our place in the world and a place at the table, you know, and all that kind of stuff of power and influence. And guess what? That means nothing. Mm. It means nothing in the kingdom of God. Mm. We think it does. And we think it does because we think people think we're something <laughs> when we're, when we're built and connected and have all that stuff going. And, and for disciples, literally, it should mean nothing. And Jesus has to just strip that painful, those painful idols away from us. And he wants us to become like little children that totally trust him and are humble and humble in our brokenness, big time compassion toward humanity's brokenness, you know, mm-hmm. and identification with people. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I hope I'm not rambling, but that's what I, that's what I feel. I mean, that's how, yeah. that's what light looks like to me, Heather. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like to me, mm-hmm. you know? Amen. It's beautiful. You mentioned the term hour of the laity. 
Peter. And I think it's yeah. something I'd love for you to comment on because I think a lot of people are misinterpreting that as, well, our leaders and those ordained and the consecrated, they've kind of blown it. Therefore, we need to step in and, you know, fix it or yeah. whatever. But that obviously is not what we mean. In fact, the hour of the laity has always been. I mean, the church yeah. has always been made up primarily of laity. And if we're going to transform yeah. the temple order, it's yeah. going to fall to us. So help us get yeah. a, a, have a solid understanding of what that really yeah, means. So funny. It's so funny to even, even think about, like, yeah, they blew it. So step aside. Here we come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> no, you know? Thanks. I, I know. That. I yeah. And I know the battle we're in. So, I mean, it's like, uh, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I think what we are seeing, uh, I mean, the church has been always made up, vast majority of the church is late. Uh, but we clearly have been as a, as a way in which John Paul used to say all the time that, what, you know, there are various signs hmm. of the work of the spirit that he would point to. He would say, these are authentic signs and messages and workings of God in this hour for the church and her mission. Outpouring of charisms, he used to talk about that all the time as a sign. And he also said the, the emergence of the laity. Mm. And I just have a couple of quotes here. Oh, I want to read just to kind of uh, respond to it is, um, yeah, I love some of these from uh, Pope Paul VI. He said, the presentation of the gospel message is not an optional contribution for the church. It's the duty incumbent on her by the command of the Lord Jesus so that people can believe and be saved, right? But lay faithful precisely because their members of this church have the vocation and mission of proclaiming the gospel. Hmm. All the laity have, have the exalted duty of working for the greater spread of the divine plan of salvation to all men throughout the world. So that's the church's teaching, but it doesn't happen unless the Spirit of God, a fresh gift mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit, comes to stir the people of God. Mm -hmm. And so it is a fact that we've lived through an historic moment when that's happened. And so it's all meant for this hour that we're living in and the days ahead. You know, that's why the, that's why the Lord has done it. And so I think, and it's a call of complementarity between mm -hmm. clergy and laity. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's meant, and we're not meant to be just passive on the receiving end uh, and, and like perpetually adolescent little altar boys, but we're meant to be grownups in Christ. Co you know, uh, what does it say? We have a co-responsibility, the council mm -hmm. says, in the mission of the church. And uh, some people are getting it. Most people have no clue about it. Mm -hmm. so, there's this funny thing. I, I speak sometimes of the goddess chapters, you know, the goddesses of mm -hmm. president's organization, uh, you know, so a dinner with a group of C groups of CEOs and their, and their wives or whatever. And they're dedicated, very Catholic, write checks all the time to help the church because the church needs it for schools and all these other kinds of things. Um, but many of them are not activated. They don't know the full measure of responsibility and spiritual anointing that they have on their lives through baptism and confirmation, you know, that they can really yet step into it's undiscovered. And so sometimes when they step into the spiritual realities, take a spiritual leadership, they're like scared. Mm. Um, but these are risk takers. I tell them, I said, you guys are the guys we need right now. These men and women, you, you risk take all the time. You're you don't know, it, but you're apostolic in the world. Like you, build stuff, you're entrepreneurs, you make hard decisions, you take the hits, you keep coming, build people, you know, move people. And that's nature. And grace wants to build on that nature. And so, but they always feel intimidated. Like, well, I'm not spiritual enough, or I don't know enough, or I don't have enough degrees or something like that. And I always tell them, I said, look, now's the moment for you 
but open your heart more to the Holy Spirit to be more radically part of the spiritual solution mm. that the Lord's unfolding right now. There's a gigantic untapped resources in the church. You know? mm. got to keep calling those forth and helping people step into them. Yeah. Amen. I like that vision of the hour of the laity. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. It certainly doesn't mean we all need to get a job in the church. Yeah. Some of us do. You do. I do. Others, you know, we do. But, um, you know, some of the most anointed people I know are, are, uh, are effective people I know don't work for the church. Mm-hmm. They're just members of the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they know, they know the Lord has sent them and equipped them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so That's powerful. Thank you, Peter. But hey, do you get a story of a uh, uh, time when you evangelized didn't go that well? Or has nothing really come to mind? Yeah, I could do a bunch of them. I could do a bunch <laughs> of them. Uh, the, uh, I just remember one, one is kind of painful to me because I was in an airplane and I was sitting next to this girl from China hmm. who was, had just come to Canada. I was flying somewhere in Canada. I can't remember where I was going. Yeah. Toronto. I was going to Toronto. And I was sitting next to her and she had a sister who was living in Toronto already. And um, I started talking to her about China and the church in China. And I asked her if she knew anything about it. She said, not really. She said that her sister had gotten involved with Christians, she said, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. She didn't really know much about it. So I started talking. We started talking about God and did she have any concept of God? And, and uh, so she said she had a little bit and her sister was trying to get her to think about it. And then we were, we were talking about the church in China. She didn't know much about it at all. Hmm. So we talked about that. And I started talking about the love of God. And I started sharing a bit like why I'm a believer. And and she was really warming up, you know, in the conversation. And it felt, I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was really there. And, and um, you know, I asked her, I said, we're just talking about, I was talking to her about God's love and how I experienced it in my life. And then we're getting close to the plane, you know, starting to, starting to go down, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they made the announcement, kind of get ready to go. And I knew, I'm going to just tell the honest truth, what happened. I, it was ready to close the deal, sort of, you know what I mean? It was ready to just, I should, it was a moment. And, and the plane was kind of small that we were on and people started shifting. And I was conscious hmm. of people hearing me try to close the deal with her. And I kind of chickened out. Mm. Isn't that terrible? Oh, it happens <laughs> hey. to all of us. It's yeah. just like, I felt she, I mean, so, and I just, at the end, I just said, you know, I, what I most want you to know is that, you know, God really loves you, you know? Mm. And talk to your sister. <laughs> Ask your sister to pray with you. <laughs> That's great. And I, and I just, I just, honestly, I just, oh man, I just, that night I was just thinking, Lord, I mean, I literally, I literally didn't do it when it comes right down to it because I didn't want anybody to hear it mm. except her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. that's fear and pride and insecurity and vanity or whatever that all is. Yeah. Like, oh, Lord, man, did I blow that? Mm. Yeah. You know? What's beautiful about those moments, though, is that those two are opportunities for grace, right? Like we all know yeah. this, but I think for people listening, they might feel like, oh, I do that all the time. I chicken out all the time. I'm just not good at this. Yeah. You know, yeah. none of us are good at this. And we we need yeah. the Holy Spirit to be able right. to do this well. The, the apostles needed the Holy Spirit so that they wouldn't be afraid and we're no different, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. sometimes when people ask me occasionally, like on a plane or something, like, well, why do you, why do you believe in Jesus, you know, or something? And I'll say, because uh, we're talking, I'll just say, honestly, because uh, 
no one understands my heart better than he does. Mm. So, so what do you mean? So Mark chapter seven, uh, you know, he said, what defiles a man, not what comes from outside, but from within. And I said, here's what Jesus said was in the human heart. And I'll be darned if that's not what's in my heart. Mm. The jealousy, rivalry, conceit, you know, unforgiveness, Mm. you know, all this stuff, lust, kinds of things. So where did that come from? Well, why is it in me? And guess what? It's in you too. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the people say, and and he he looked, he he helped me understand, and it's true, and it's a problem. Hmm. And what Jesus said, that stuff is is what leads to death. That's sin, and that leads to your death, and you're dying, Peter. And I want to give you life. Hmm. You let me give you a new heart. If you let me come and take that away from you and give you a new heart, I'm going to give you new life. Okay? Hmm. Is that a deal? And so I, I often say to, in those situations, I'll just say, for me, it's really simple. What I believe would just say, um, I believe Jesus destroyed that stuff. So he destroyed death, he restored life, and he's coming again. Hmm. Glory. And that's why that's why I'm following him. I'm so thankful. And I believe I've tasted the new life already. Hmm. And you can have it too. You can have it too. Amen. And I, I, I believe I'm going to see him when I die. And I'm going to be dead soon. Hmm. Just like you. We're all going to be dead soon. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's a passing shadow. Subtle reminder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you shared your story, it reminded me, I don't know, this was probably maybe 15 years ago now. There was this young lady from China living in Vancouver. So you had a lot of, uh, you know, Asian back and forth. And I remember sharing some things of faith and said the word resurrection. And she looks and she goes, resurrection. What, what is that? Well, when Jesus rose from the dead, I don't understand what was that. And yeah. I just became yeah. aware in that moment, yeah. she had never heard the story. Yeah. Like the greatest story ever told, the name above all names, all of history. And, and then I'm starting to think China and how it's, you know, obviously the underground and all the rest of it. And I thought, I got like really nervous. It's like, this is the first time she's ever heard. And that sense of yeah. privilege, it's like, Lord, oh my goodness. Like, who am I that I would be able to share this story that could, possibly you know transform yeah. her life forever and then who knows what yeah. happens there mm-hmm. but yeah. um anyways just as you were saying it that story came to mind but it's it was kind of the opposite of you know being timid it was just like wow this is incredible privilege yeah. but so yeah. many people I'm, I'm saying this because so many people i'm sure peter are encouraged by that story that you shared just because they can identify and if you know somebody who's you know done the you author and conference speaker and all the rest of it. Like this is, it's real life. Uh, we're, we're, we're living at a really privileged moment. Mm. And it's a moment. I, uh, I keep thinking of Jesus and the Beatitudes saying, blessed are you when you experience pushback, when people don't like you because of me. Yeah. Um, you know, if it happens to you, he says in Luke's gospel, dance and rejoice. I think we aren't really like that. I'm not really like that. You know, as, as it gets more difficult and more heated and the cost kind of rises, we don't like it. Yeah. And it's intimidating and it's difficult. Yeah. But Jesus in some ways saying it's the normal, it's a normal Christian life, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and Peter's saying it when it, when it, when it comes to you, don't miss it because the spirit of glory mm. is upon you. That happens. That's a special gift. Yeah. So there's some purification coming for all of us in this. Mm. And, uh, Hopefully we will together help each other continue to rise to the occasion and respond. So, Amen. Psalm 2, Joel 2, Acts 2. 
There you go. That's easy to remember. That's some good homework right there. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think.